For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined uh, with Dan from Mundial, so thanks very much for, for coming on, mate. I know, thanks, thanks for having us, man. How are you getting on? Yeah, okay, okay. Slowly, slowly getting back to normal, I think. Good. Um, we're moving office at the moment, so I've been driving a van around London today, which is which is more stressful. <laughs> the guys. Yeah, more stressful than the day job, so... Oh yeah, okay, all good. We're kind of, um, yeah, as I said, almost back to normal. We've got a, a, a digital magazine as it is now to put together for August. Um, um, am I echoing, am I echoing there? there? No, no, you're totally fine. Okay, totally fine. Sorry, no worries. That's the big helicopter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we've got yeah, we've got a few new projects kind of coming back to life. With various brands, so strangely, we'll, like we'll touch, we'll touch on it uh, for those that haven't heard the Mundial, what, what it is and where it came from. But uh, mm-hmm. a bit about yourself, first of all, in case people haven't worked out already, you're a scouser and you're a Liverpool fan, so you'll, you'll be a very happy man at the moment. Yeah, yeah, pretty happy. Um, quite a strange, a strange way to do it, but I'm th- I'm thirty, thirty one. So I don't know any different, you know what I mean? It's it's sort of a relief more than anything that, that we've got. That Premier League that was kind of held over us for a long time by various other fan bases. We've got that on the board um, and it's done. And um, we can kind of look towards next year now, I suppose. There's, what, three games left. I think there's one happening as as we're chatting right now. And um, there's been... Not a moment in 30 years that I've been less interested in in how Liverpool get on in a game than for these next two. Weeks. I was going to apologise for taking you away for that, but I suppose it doesn't matter anymore, does it? No, nah, it's all good, man. I'll, I'll always look. I'll you know, I'll probably kind of try and catch up on anything that happens later um, from a personal standpoint. Any, any celebrations, or are you on hold at the moment? Are you? Have you managed to get it back up? So really, really strangely, I was. Um, I'm based in London, but I was up there the day before it happened. So I was right. there. I watched. I was up there with where, like about two hundred yards from Anfield, when we were playing Crystal Palace, and um, which was really surreal to kind of be there and and, and not have it happen. And and me and a, me and a colleague were kind of, oh, should we stay? You know, Chelsea City tomorrow. We could win the league, and we so we decided to come back to London. And um, oh, you're joking. Yeah, I mean, I, you know. Who's who's to say what I would have done and but you know whether I would have been outside Anfield with all those people, but probably, probably. <laughs> right, so let's let's move on then. I, I mean, brilliant year for you personally, but yeah. uh, Mundial. I mean, for those that don't know, how how would you describe? It? I would say it's a a magazine, a creative agency, but it's it's got so many strands to it now. It's like in your yeah. words, what is Mundial? Um, we probably just see ourselves as. A football brand more than it like not as in clothing brand but like a brand that kind of is qualified to talk about football and that did start as a magazine um became a creative agency and we kind of talk through brands and, and help brands tell their story to football fans and then there's a the, the kind of a, a podcast series 
um, social media, our social media channels are what people probably know us most for. Um, and then a digital magazine launching in August. So, yeah, it's just look, we, we see it all under the one banner of Mundial, but it's, there's a lot of things going on um, under that name. And it's kind of hard to keep track sometimes, and especially when something happens like the last four or five months, you kind of have to take stock on what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve with each of those strands of the business. And um, yeah, it's, it is it is what it is. I don't think there's many, many things like this. There are other magazines that act as creative agencies and create podcasts and stuff. Um, but in football, we, we feel, feel like we're quite a unique thing. Certainly, certainly. I think the success has showed that. How, how did you come up with the idea then, Dan? Or what was, because it's obviously a collective office, I suppose, that put the content yeah. together at the start. But what, what was... What was the thought process behind, you know, let's get this moving and up and running? So we, um, me and Seb, who's the co-founder, um, we had been working, well, not working, we, we, we helped run a fanzine in our spare time called Stand. And that was around the time that there was kind of like an against modern football movement. And the, 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 there still is, obviously, to, to some degree. But um, particularly in England, there was it was around the 20 is plenty kind of campaign and trying to kind of... Uh, FC United had kind of just appeared on the scene. AFC Wimbledon were around. Um, Spirit of Shankly were doing stuff at Liverpool. The Blue Union at Everton. And there was all these fan groups who kind of wanted to represent a little bit better. So the idea of that fanzine was to... Um, these people don't necessarily get on and talk to each other and stuff. So we provided a platform where content from AFC Wimbledon could sit alongside a Liverpool fan talking about how things um, affect them in modern football. What that kind of became over time was it was, um, as football fans are, it became quite cynical and quite uh, negative fast. And we did, we did achieve some kind of, um, Good stuff with it. I think we helped support Spirit of Shankly and, and things like that to, to get um, away ticket prices down and made some small gains. But but what me and Seb found in particular was um, was that we, we were kind of uh, just putting out negative stuff around football. And, and that wasn't for us. And there was a big collective around that who kind of took on stand and made it something else. But we wanted to... Um, definitely highlight things that are wrong with the game but talk about the positivity around it and kind of see how we could um, affect people's experiences within football from a positive standpoint rather than just going here's what's wrong with the game here's what's wrong with the game kind of four or five times a year whatever it was and it was a World Cup coming up and it was we thought it was a good opportunity to do something a little bit more premium to kind of pull on that same network of people as, as you sort of said there and to bring in writers that we like, bring in illustrators that we like, and do a one-off special edition for the World Cup. Um, we did that. We printed so 2014 of them. Um, it's kind of like I said, a limited edition thing, and each of them were numbered with uh, numbered the name, the name of a player who'd made um, uh, the most like the top 2014 appearance holders in World Cup history. So I think at the time. Gate Muller was number one and that kind of went down from there as, as people who'd appeared in, um, in World Cups so you ha- you could get a Mark Viduka for example or you could get a Johan for whatever 
Um, we did that. We put it on pre-sale, and I think it sold out in like a week. So we we're like, oh, we're kind of onto something here. But we both had existing jobs and didn't really know how to monetize something like this. So uh, decided it'd be one off. We had a good party for the World Cup, and then a few months later, um, someone from a sportswear brand was like, "Oh, when's your next issue out?" And we were like, "There isn't a next issue. It was one off." And they were like, "Oh, well, we've got access to." a player that we wanted to put in your magazine. And it was um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain when he was at Arsenal. And we were like, wow, okay, so we better do another one. We better do another one. And that kind of kept happening for a few months. And then before we knew it, we were at four or five and we needed to um, bring some other people on board. So we brought a couple of people we'd worked with elsewhere, some amazing writers, some amazing editors, like Sam and Owen, who are still with us to this day. And it kind of just snowballed from there, to be honest. And here we are six years later. Um, a lot of different things happened along the way. We, we sort of became more professional in some ways. Um, in some ways, we're still exactly the same as kind of that first day. It's interesting. You, you mentioned Stand there. I remember, I can't remember what issue it was, but back in the day, I, I wrote an article for Stand about fan ownership at Motherwell. Uh, and and I, I really, really enjoyed the, the magazine at first. Oh. Fans being sorry. thought it was brilliant, but I, I know what you mean about it going down the, the route of a wee bit more negativity. and. Mundial is the polar opposite to that. You know, it's it's yeah. not necessarily all about yeah football and results. It's about what makes football sexy or what makes football exciting and what do people buy into. So I yeah. think you you know better than me, but you know the the brand is about clothing. It's about certain players. It's about nostalgia. You know, and mm. I think that's what really sets you apart. It's not as if you're you're writing in each issue or posting on the website things that you'll see in any other football platforms, is it? Oh well, that, that's that's good. We we hope that's the case, and it's it's nice you say that. And I don't want to dwell on don't want to dwell on Stan because like there's someone still you know it's still there and it still serves a purpose and it's still great and there's still some great writers who contribute to it. But I think what was missing from it was kind of more people like yourself who who'd um, who'd gone and done something about it, you know, and gone and gone and kind of taking ownership back at their club or, or done something along those lines and wanted to talk about that, how that's a great thing. Um, and, and also, I think people's understanding of modern football and what's wrong with it differs. Some people think it's owners and ticket prices and some people think um, people shouldn't be allowed to wear scarves. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's kind of more... There's a range of cynicism there which, which you can't possibly... Um, Boiled down into into one into one publication, I don't think. But yeah, so so Monday I was about like, well, what are the things that we still love? And I think when we started, we were a little bit naive, and that was kind of, you know, at the time, there wasn't as much football media out there, and there wasn't uh, Twitter wasn't quite as active. So it was very much, yeah, who are the cool players? Who are the, what are the cool boots? What are the cool kits? With a little bit of travel and a little bit of kind of discovery of football thrown in. I think over time we've kind of come back towards football, football, if that makes sense, and um, who are the great players, who are the, who are the stories that deserve to be told. But there's definitely still an element from those first few issues, which is like, what what is it that you love about football, and how can we tell you about that? Whether it is something minute, whether it is the minutiae, and it's it's a certain type of. Um, the player who rolls his socks down and plays in a certain style or is it something more developed is it things that you can you know why you should be paying attention to this league in Korea why you should be doing so it's kind of the the, the big broad stuff like that like big global stuff 
sure. um, which I don't think gets the coverage it deserves. And then, and then there is still an element of very mundial stuff, the reads mundial mag one stuff that we kind of built our name on. Yeah, so for those that, that don't know the the reads mundial once tagline, I mean, I think it would be would it be unfair or fair to say you know it's there's almost a kind of hipster element to it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, how, how would you explain that to people that have never so, heard so, of it? So Reads Mundial once is just something that we completely stole from Four Pins. I don't know, Four Pins is kind of an, um, an offshoot of Complex magazine in the US and we knew some of the guys who wrote for it and it was a very, very niche menswear blog um, full of in-jokes. Um, kind of, for, I imagine, what was a very small audience compared to Complex. And we saw that and went, that's kind of a bit of us, you know what I mean? Like kind of full of in-jokes and... and, and and doing things that hinder hinder your success more than more than help you become a global brand. That's kind of what we're doing. Um, so we just nicked it. Like their their version of it was someone who'd be kind of a big like a real hype beast character, or or someone who wore outlandish clothes or something. That was like um, Reed Four Pins once. Ours was definitely yeah, like the the stereotypical, which at the time was massive all over the internet and the football hipster thing was like you either embraced it kind of some people were like I am a football hipster and then at the other side of the coin it was used as a stick to beat some people with because they had the they had the cheek to to quite like Osasuna you know Uh, so uh, 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 we just were like look people are going to say this about us anyway people are going to are either going to take the piss out of us or try and be part of whatever this movement if you can call it that is so we just wanted to be like look we get it it is a little bit funny it is a little bit weird there is definitely a stereotype of our readers and, and the people who write for us so we kind of want to do um take that back and, and and make fun of ourselves a bit um which i don't think there's enough of in football i think totally agree. i think we're, we're, we're all just thinking it's the most important thing in the world at all times so yeah we just wanted to take this out of main, mainly us it's, it's brilliant and you know the, the amount of tweets that you see still continuing to this day even though it's came from yeah. the early days of Mundial it's, it's really really clicked on and it, in my opinion it's became you know synonymous with you guys yeah I didn't well, that's, that's good like memes memes travel man so yeah. Um, yeah like like it's one of the first things that people usually say to us you know and they're always quite surprised that when we meet us we meet us they meet us, sorry, that we're not wearing like an Alaves third strip from 1992. <laughs> uh, oh, an element of it is. Why do you get a white t shirt on the night, Dan? That's, that's not what I expect. Uh, I'm not really like sacrilege, but I'm not really. A, I, I think I own one football shirt, you know. Really? I just, I, 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 I love them and, and we've got loads in the office and, and some of the some of the team wear them and some of them don't but yeah I don't know I just yeah I'm, I mean I'm in the 30s now I need to I need to knock the football share thing on the head <laughs> <laughs> so you started back in 2014 but I mean now it's six years later when did it get to that stage you know obviously after that first issue uh, after following the World Cup you got interest there saying you know we want to do this article with Oxley Chamberlain we want to feature them when did it get to that stage where you thought shit, I really need to quit my job here and take this full time because living in London, you know, it's obviously not a cheap place to live and you're probably a, a good place <laughs> You know, it's like, it must have been a, a risk almost, but you've you've grabbed it with both hands and it seems to have paid off. 
Um, yeah, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, I just lost the job. So <laughs> it was kind of... Maybe it was fate, almost. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't think that. But um, yeah, I mean, we do, it was getting that way. It was getting that way. And, and we were kind of getting a little bit of work from from some brands and there was some, you know, people who really, who, who did us some massive favours early on in, in in the industry. Brands like Le Coq Sportif, who were doing um, Saint Etienne and Fiorentina's kits at the time, kind of took a bit of a punt on us and and, and, and gave us some paid wear when no one else really would. Really? Uh, and it wasn't enough to really sustain, I think, when me and Owen decided to do it full-time. We... Um, we had enough in the bank to pay us for like a month, I think, or two months. Maybe it's two months. But but I suppose once you decide you do it, it's it's kind of like taking that leap. And 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 fortunately, or fate or whatever it was, as soon as we did that, it kind of kicked things into motion. It was like a bit chicken or egg, you know. Until you go, until you decide to just go. This is my thing. I'm going to do it full time and not just in the evenings. Um, it very rarely happens, and there's never a perfect time to make that jump. That's what we. That's what we found anyway. Um, was that it, it had to be a bit scary, and, and and you know what I mean. A lot of the time, it is still a little bit scary four or five years later. But um, yeah, there, there was no there was no like eureka moments where it was like, okay, cool, I, I can. I can get a mortgage now because Mundial's full time. It was like, a, I haven't got a job. B, I'm moving back from the, to the UK from Southeast Asia. C, we, and it was sort of third on the list. It was like maybe this could, maybe now's the time to, to um to go full time on this and to, and to give it a good go. And you know, through a lot of hard work, but through a lot of a lot of luck and a lot of good faith from other people as well, we kind of got there in the end. But I mean, I mean, I've had a, a few people on the podcast that have got their own, you know, clothing lines or their own businesses, and I, I just love that story. People, you know, taking that leap of faith and doing something that they essentially love. You know, your passion is football, and you're you're working in football. It must be a joy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's we have to remind ourselves that because we are um, football. Like I said earlier, on football fans are, are cynical and and and. Um, we are generally as as people, and and we're sort of more and more conditioned to be a little bit like that. For, you know, through various things, social media and, and media and stuff like that, we're kind of conditioned to be like, oh, this, you know, it's cool to think your job's crap, and like, oh, I hate this. It's real. but like we do, you know. I think I said on, or we said on, um, our Instagram the other day that we're, we're super privileged to do this job. You know what I mean? It's we get to interview people who are genuinely our heroes um, from growing up or, or are our heroes now, like people who are playing football now. We're trying to put together the next issue. And I think if you take the list of, of possible features we have for this next issue to me five years ago, I'd have thought you were taking the piss because, uh, you know, we we, struggle, we don't get the access that, that, that other people get, but we get we work hard and we get some really good stories and we get to tell, do some amazing things. Um, so it's it's brilliant. I think as with any um, independent business, particularly in the current climate, it's hard as well. Like uh, you know, it's stressful, and 
we're all we're all friends, but but our friendships have been tested through um, trying to pay the bills at the end of the month, trying to pay other people's wages, trying to um, be a little bit more professional. That's where the stress comes in. Because when it was just a hobby, it was like, you know what? If we sell six, we sell six. It's cool. Um, now we kind of have to keep the lights on. So that's where the stress comes in. But then that's that's like thirty percent of the job. The other seventy percent is like you said, it's a joy. You mentioned, you know, that you've interviewed some of your heroes or you've met some of your heroes. Has there been any standouts for you that, that jump out when you, you say that? Is there anyone specific that you thought, oh my God, I'm doing this for a job and I'm in a room with X, Y, or Z? Well, I really have to be careful saying this, especially to when, when I'm speaking to anyone who supports a team in Scotland at the moment. Because he's not... <laughs> no, I don't want to hear it. I, I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, for three years ago, you could say it and almost anyone in the world would go, yeah, great, of course, that must have been amazing. But... What he's doing, what he's, or the th- some of the things he's saying and doing up in Scotland have, have kind of soured that a bit. But for me, like growing up, Stephen Gerrard was my footballing hero, you know, and um, we were like so fortunate. It was, it was one of those real kind of sliding doors moments. He was doing a legends tournament, I think, in in London, and we just through a contact, we got we got some time with him. Um, I think I got half an hour with him, and it, it helped. It was kind of in a press thing, and he'd been doing some pretty difficult interviews at the time. There was kind of a lot of talk around England, and he was kind of getting grilled because he'd spoken to the FA about what was going wrong at England, and the, the, you know it was oh you you you're coaching at the academy, you want to be Liverpool manager one day. So he was, I don't think he's the um, the easiest or like the most upbeat person at the best time, Stephen. But he was in a bad mood when we got to him. Um, but fortunately, we just wanted to talk to him about his um, his Liverpool debut for a feature in the mag, and I was at I was at that game, and I just kind of said that to kind of break the ice, and you immediately kind of saw him go right. I'm not going to end up on the front page of a newspaper get being misquoted here, and he kind of sat down, and it was it was amazing. It was it was like in a conference room in central London, and really unsalubrious, and it was literally maybe maybe 23 minutes, but it was. That's kind of one that I'll always remember. Is like, okay, we're onto something here. We're doing something good. You get to meet someone who you really respected as a footballer. We, the moments as a magazine, as a collective, that's my personal one. But as 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 a uh, where we thought we we're onto something was um, we Perlo. We 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 flew out to New York to interview Perlo when he was um, at NYCFC. Yeah, it was it was cool, man. And we'd featured his autobiography in the first issue or the issue zero. And he, got, I mean, I'm sure, sure you know, and I'm sure people listen to this if they know us know. But he was kind of the the dumb on the owl, straw man kind of figure. He was he was he was what people, if people thought of on the owl, especially at the time, they thought of Andre Perlo because who's his class? Doesn't he? He owns a vineyard and wears his socks low. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the reputation we had certainly at the time. Um, and I think that just came through an Instagram DM. I think at NYCFC messaged us and said we like what you guys do would you like to do anything and because we're not well because we're cheeky essentially we just went yeah we wanted to be pillow thinking they'd go fuck off. and they didn't um but like t- typical of us what happened was they were on the cusp of the playoffs um and if they lost against columbus crew at yankee stadium the night we were getting there They'd have to fly straight to Washington 
and uh, Patrick Vieira, who was manager, wouldn't let any of the players do any press because he had to get his team into the playoffs over to Washington. Um, so we flew then, no, not knowing if the interview was going to happen. Um, and I, we went to New York. I went out on the first night and just got like smashed with some friends in New York. And then the next day, I had to go to Yankee Stadium. And I think, I think New York City FC went one nil down. And I was just like, oh, fucked it. I spent all on like we had we had no money at the time. We had like enough for a flight, and yeah. I was staying with a mate, I think. And um, like the interview wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and then and then fortunately Frank Lampard came on and changed the game. So I'll always I'll always love Frank Lampard for getting <laughs> for getting us our piano interview essentially. But yeah, he was we got him on the cover, and that was when we were like. If we can get Andre Perlo, even towards the end of his career, the sky's the limit here for us. You know, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't try and belittle ourselves anymore. Yeah. What was what was he like as a person? Was he brand new? So he's so he's he's like like cooler in the traditional sense of the word, as in like ice cool. He's cooler yeah. than he seems on telly. Like he's he's just so laid back. He, we met him in a hotel near his apartment in New York. And um, and he just turned up on his own, and we took we'd taken the New York City FC tracksuit because we were like, what if he turns up in something that we don't want on the cover of the magazine? And he turned up in like the best rig out I've ever seen, and we were like, put the tracksuit back in the bag, it's fine, we don't need the tracksuit. So it was wicked. It was it was through um, we had a translator there, kind of a, an English guy called James Campbell Taylor, who's been super supportive of the mag for a long time. Um, who's also a huge Palo fan, um, a friend of mine who lives in New York, who's been a friend for a long time and worked on a lot of stuff with us, got to shoot it. So that was when we were like, like this is our, like, yeah, this is ours. And, and Palo was great. He was, he, he gave us hours, you know, on a really cold New York night. And he also didn't get upset when, when my friend mentioned this on Bolton, which, which I thought was <laughs> didn't, really, nice, really nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say that if there's one thing not to mention, that's it. But, that he mentioned it. So I told my mate, I was like, don't mention He starts his book talking about it. Don't mention Istanbul. He, it's the worst night of his entire life. I think we were with him for 35 seconds before John brought it up. So, oh, uh, but, he, but he was cool. He was, he was great. And, and, and yeah, like, what an honour. You hit the nail on the head there. You know, once you've got him in the front of the magazine, the sky's the limit, eh? and it's, it's been up and up and up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it seems like that. Outside, it's been up and up and up. I'm sure you know behind the scenes, you guys are grafting and grafting every day. But it's been it's been great to see. Oh, you just cool. you know, yeah, like and, and we yeah we've grown in scale and we've got a, a quite a big loyal readership who we just would like that you know they they pay for the magazine to be printed essentially and to be sent out to them and they love it and they tell us what they like about it and they're super honest about what they don't like. Um, I think that came from doing a pre-order on the fir- the very first one. You know, it's like people were just putting seven quid down in complete yeah. faith that it'd be good, and a lot of those are still there um, to, to this day. So we're, we're really close to our subscribers, and we we never lost sight of that. We you know we are on newsstands. We we were you know, and we still want a bigger, more global audience. But we we try and reward those people who've been there from the start as much as possible. And I think that's, I think all the best brands, 
like it's not it's not nice to big up brands but like there are brands and there are bad brands all the best brands reward people who who love their brands and and, and that's what we want to do you mentioned you know it was print media and, and these are in the modern day you know i'm I think what kind of studios apart as well as having the print aspect, but going forward, you are you are going fully digital. What was your your thought process behind that? Was it a, a cost cutting exercise, or are you thinking, you know, the world's changing, we can adapt? Or? So we had we'd already we'd already um, been producing an app essentially, so that we could replicate what we do in print on digital. Um, sorry. We'd already been producing an app to replicate what we're doing um, in print digitally, but um, then then the world changed. Like then um, things things just got out of hand. You know, we should have had a print magazine out by now. So um, as a, as an independent business, essentially, we just had to to keep people on board. Essentially, to to make sure that we can honour our um, our employees all the people who we are working with currently um people who have existing contracts with us and that includes subscribers to honor what 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 we have with them and to not for us to just go pop overnight or to go pop even sadder over a period of a few months we just had to we had to make a sacrifice and and um, we love prince like we're, we're all mad for prince we we went we wanted to make Monday our prints because we'd all worked in digital previously and we'd seen where that had gone with kind of clickbait journalism and stuff. But to be to be realistic with with things being so uncertain, it's like at the time that we made the call, we didn't know when football would start again, for example. You know, the, the Euros had just been cancelled, etc. etc. So in the short term we just had to say um we're going to pause Prince and we're going to give anyone who wants their money back for Prince, they can have their money back and we're going to continue doing this digital thing for for as long as possible to um, to keep putting content out. And then we'll see where we are when when the world returns to normal, even if that is the, the new normal or even if that is around a major tournament. So, I don't think I don't think it's an exclusive and I think everyone knows but, but, but we're like, Monday I'll be back in print in one form or another. It may not be sub- sub- subscription based, but like we're, we're, it's a big, expensive, stupid hobby print and we love it too much. So like we'll, we'll be back there. It's funny that you, you mentioned that because I think people do have a real affinity to it, don't they? I watched a, uh, a feature the other day on Programme Collectors. It was done, I think, yeah. for the BBC. And I just thought, you know, I, I, I'm similar to that. I love old programmes, magazines yeah. and I mean, it, as much as most people will consume their media online and they'll read it online, I, I still I love picking up a book or I love picking up a magazine or I love picking up a programme. So it's, I suppose there is that. As much, even if it's a minority, it's still that there's a wee bit of a market there for it, isn't there? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think I think people like tangible product rather than, you know, you've seen that with the resurgence of records, you know, but like you can get any record you want on your phone now, but... So, People like that experience of buying something, taking it home, unwrapping it, putting it on the turntable, and it's the same with a magazine. Like I've got like a million next to my feet, you know, like all sorts of different like shit that I've not read yet because I like owning a magazine and I like being able to flick through it. And uh, yeah, 
like it's definitely there's definitely something about it, and I, I think people were saying a few years ago there's like a resurgence in Prince. I don't think it's that anymore. I think Prince is back. It's just back in a different way. You know, it's yeah. it, people don't buy a newspaper every day of the week, but they buy something once a month and and really care for it and put it on a shelf next to all their existing ones and stuff. So there's 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 definitely an appetite for it. But by its nature, it's quite a niche thing. So we have to balance that, you know what I mean? In the glory days of men's magazines, you could take that risk and you could offset it and be like, oh, yeah, we only sold 30% on newsstand, but we're the coolest magazine in the world and we've got Jarvis Cocker on the front. I think now it needs to be a little bit more of a calculated risk and you need to think about where your niche is in the market. And we've got that and we'll definitely return to that. But for now, if it's a choice of paying our staff and making sure everyone's okay for Christmas <laughs> or, or, or putting out a print magazine, there's, yeah, there's, when no one's going to the train stations, for example. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's just no question of what choice we have to make there. Good. What I wanted to ask you about is the, the Sporting Club de Mundial, because it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have almost created your own football team down in London as well. Yeah, so what we did was we saw what's the only thing in the world that makes less money than a print magazine? <laughs> and, um, and it's a, it's a football team. No, that's that's not that's not so. Um, the the reason we did it actually was because um, we kind of banged the drum about grassroots for for a long time, and and um, there's lo- there's loads of amazing amazing initiatives, particularly in London. I, I don't know what it's like where you are and where I'm from. It's it's maybe a little. It's kind of taken off a little bit, but grassroots um like hackney marshes is the home of grassroots football like there's, there's there's no two ways about that and and i met um a, a guy who's a very good friend of mine now called alan bond and he was managing the gun which is one of our favorite pubs in london and they, they were like the cool they had the coolest pub team in the world basically and they um they won the bt sport pub cup like had oh, the yeah. best brand and had the most amazing kit and we, we we tried to work with them for a long time um and we did we did some cool stuff and but we were like we've got the platform here to do something off our own back you know and um we talk about grassroots we have a we have an audience that loves grassroots football so what's the next logical step and it, for us that was initially to be to be perfectly honest it was about doing a monday our football team and 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 kind of marketing it in that sense and we were um, maybe a little bit naive and a little bit egotistical in, in the first sense, we're like, no, it's a cool Monday off football team, whatever. But like the magic, what we found very, very quickly, because it's a steep learning curve in grassroots, is like the magic of grassroots is that it's grassroots, you know? And if you go there trying to be the cool team, you get found out very quickly. So so what it developed into... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, we, what we found out, sorry... Um, really quickly and, and 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 what we found out through the people who were, who were kind of involved in it and the players um, um is is um one nil anyway is that the magic of grassroots is grassroots as i said and that, and, and what it developed into was um, a football club rather than a cool team essentially and we've got or oh, you know we last season we had um a men's team who played on Sunday, two midweek women's teams, a community training session which people could just come down to and play at. Um, 
which is kind of like the full spectrum of, of, of football in London. And then the plan for next season is to kind of have a Saturday, Sunday, and, and to develop that even further. So as with the, mag- as with the magazine, we're probably just going to learn by making mistakes from that. Sure. And, um, and, and, and try and, try and um, tell the good grassroots story and, to, and to, to, to tell it honestly across that spectrum, whether you're a really good, amazing Sunday league player or if you're someone who just likes going and having a kick about your mates on a Wednesday evening, I think, I think that's something that's underappreciated and it, uh, not to keep going back to it, but especially in the current climate, I don't want to, you know, there's not many things um, apart from perhaps going to watch Liverpool or going to the pub with mates that I, that I want them to just go and have a kick about and to, and to play football um, semi-competitively. So, um, it's going to be difficult because of all the constraints that we're under and because um, brands are a little bit suspicious of grassroots and they kind of want to dip the toe, but they don't. But it's it's a, it's a huge passion project of mine um, and, and everyone who's involved in Mundial to, to really push that once football comes back and to, to see where we can take um, a, fo- like a proper grassroots football club with the backing of us rather than just a cool football team I think there's lots of cool football teams and we thought we wanted to be that but but when when you look at it you, you just look like a bit of a wanker if you do that from from the start and still to this day is as much as you know you, you're interviewing people like Pirlo obviously Chamberlain you mentioned you know world-class players across the board you have also done excellent features you know both in terms of video content and, and in print of, you know, grassroots football clubs or, you know, non-league football clubs or, or teams that are community-owned. And I think that's, you're not just showcasing, you know, the, the world talent, you're showcasing what's good at a local level as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be a Liverpool fan. Um, but like, who's to say that my team winning the league after 30 years is any more important than to to, to me than it, than a non-league team winning their league is to one of their fans. I, I think I think it is one and the same. I I, I do I think if you're a Juventus fan or if or if you're a, a Scam United fan, which is which is my home hometown club actually, sure. um, I don't think you, you care about that team as much as anyone else, right? And yeah. um, and also that like there's some brilliant stories there you, you see a lot there's a lot of truth in the fact that the top level of the game has been sanitised a little bit and it, it's hard to get the truth of, 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 of football up there because cameras are tra- trained on it 24-7 and, and um, you can turn on Sky Sports News and, and learn everything you need to know about Liverpool Everton Manchester United Celtic but oh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, it doesn't matter. You, you can find all that out, you know, on your phone. But yeah, if if you want to know what's going on in Gateshead or Canvey Island, there's not, yeah, not a lot of information out there. So we're really we're really proud that we do that, and um, also like it's not. I don't think it's a worthy thing. The good stories they deserve to be told. It's it's not like a, oh we're going to tell the story of plucky little marine or Prescott cables, that's 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 a higher quality of football than I'll ever play. You know what I mean? Those players are well better than me. So like, let's tell that story. 
What's the what's the future for Mundial then? And, and here's a question for you, Dan, that I want you to sell to the listeners <laughs> or to the uh, uh, to the people watching this. If you've not read Mundial, if you've not heard it, why should they check it out? Uh, and what have you got coming up in the future? Okay, good question. Um, uh, so a few years ago, we were fortunate enough to be given some office space by Copper Ninety and. Uh, um, a colleague, an ex, or my my old boss actually. This is not a colleague. It's my old boss gave us some office space. James Kirkham, his name was, and he was one of the um, one of the bosses of Copper Ninety. And he's not he's not there. He's at Defective Records now. But he said, "Mundial Market." Every time I pick it up, it reminds me why I love football. Um, and we heard that and went, right, well, "We're going to nick that. That's that's brilliant. That's such a nice thing to say." But also, it kind of crystallizes what we're about and. I think um, the way I see it is Johan Cruyff definitely reminds me why I love football, but only in the same way that Marcus Marcus Rashford does. I don't think it's all about looking back. I I think we kind of got pigeonholed about being a bit of a retro magazine. Um, And what we've tried to do consciously over the past two years is be like, Marcus Rashford is as important to the story of football as Diego Maradona is, as... You know, Mo Salah is the as amazing to Liverpool fans now as Robbie Fowler was, and we need to kind of keep that story moving and keep it going. So we want to remind people why they love football, and and that that's our mission, and that that's what we try and do with everything we do, whether it's funny, whether it's sarcastic, whether it's really um, serious, sentimental story. That that's what we want to try and do, and that's what Mundial does. Um, in terms of the future we launch our first digital magazine terrifyingly soon um, very early August it'll be it'll be out and available at the moment it's 4th of August it comes out isn't it uh, is that what we said yeah okay <laughs> something, something like that yeah like, like it's, either, either out, it's either out now or it's out really soon, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, no, like like in that week we're, we're slated for release. Um, okay. I get I get in quite a lot of trouble for not knowing, not 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 knowing the date, but um, so we've got that coming out. We've got um, yeah, I can tell you this because of the date we've got a new podcast series launching with um with with Spotify. So it's it's the second series of Giants. It's football stories that matter told by the people who were there. If you're looking for another tagline, um, that's incredible. Um, there's a there's a folk song about an English English centre forward, which is is part of one of the things. It's unbelievable. Um, we just just on that subject, you know, the first series of Giant. For those that haven't listened to it, go out and, and check it out. It's been absolutely brilliant. Some of the stories in there were fantastic. Starting off with the the old Ronaldo or the real Ronaldo, as as they say. Yeah. I mean, I I had almost nothing to do with Giants, so it's one of my favourite things to talk about because it's it's unbelievable. Um, we'd we'd kind of been asked to do a, a podcast for a long time by various um, various companies, but also various kind of people who who put podcasts together, and we'd kind of held off because there's so many brilliant podcasts, which is just people talking about football. The football rambles incredible. The Guardian, Football Weekly. Richardson, all the all those guys are do it better than than anyone. So we were like, how do we do the Mundial thing in podcast? And that was with with kind of short form document or not that short, but like audio documentaries essentially. So 
as, as you said, let's take the Ronaldo one, for example. It, we wanted to tell the story of his time at PSV. So the guys who produced the podcast when I spoke to the, the, the scout who found him in Brazil, his coaches, the guy who hung out at the pizza parlor that he frequented in Eindhoven, Luke Nilish, Bolo Zenden, all, all these, you know, Luke Nilish, who is Ronaldo's favourite ever strike partner, just just kind of talking openly about how, how magic it was to play alongside him. And, um, yeah, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. It's, it, I think if you, if you can't get a hold of one of the magazines, it's probably the most... Um, the most mundial thing we've done is, is is that series. So there's a second series of that coming, which will be slightly different, kind of moving on a little bit, um, but e- equally as brilliant. And like I said, I, I've got nothing to do with it. So I, I do That's mean that when I say it. The football, when we hear from local FAs, which may have happened by the time this goes out, when we can play football again, you'll be hearing from Sporting Club, the Mundial, and, and the various new teams that are going to be formed within that club. And lots and lots and lots and lots more things. I'm sure you've got with Del Monte. Oh yeah, of course. And we we just did, we we did the football cup with Del Monte, so it's all go. <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be more brand partnerships, and 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 we we always try and kind of do something a little, a little bit different. And like I said before, um, you know. People think football is life and death, and to some people it is. But like, it's also a lot of fun, and, and people should be able to have fun with it. So, so there's, there'll be more stuff like that, and and just loads more tweets. Probably, just yeah, loads more tweets that make people either upset or happy. Hundred percent, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, for those that haven't checked out Monday, I'll you get them on Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places. Go listen to the Giant Podcast episodes that are previously out uh, ahead of the new series starting. Thanks to everyone that's listened to this podcast. Uh, like and subscribe. Much appreciated. And Dan, top man, thank you. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers.